What is going on, everybody? What is happening? Welcome to another episode of The Life Of. Listen, before we get started, man, shout out to all the lifers. If you have not already, please comment, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. It don't cost you nothing. Go ahead. Just comment, rate, and subscribe. Listen, let people know you are here. If you are new to the podcast, hello, welcome. My name is Kason Wilson. I'm your host. And uh, The Life Of is just a podcast. It's a space where we all have a chance to be known. Listen, I don't care if you are a comedian or a pastor or a teacher or just a wife or a husband or just a Muppet or Minion. doesn't matter to me. I think regardless of what our positions are, we all have a chance to be known. We all have a story to tell. And this is the place where you can do it. Uh, like I said, if you have not already, please comment, rate, and subscribe. And while you're at it, follow me on social media at The Life of K-A-Y. That is The Life of K-A-Y. We have some amazing things uh, coming up, but I'm going to handle it at part two right now. I want to jump straight into this episode because I'm so excited to have this conversation and learn more about uh, this young lady who we have here today. Listen, you may know her as the creator and founder of Gyrus Place. Uh, she's an HU grad, which will always be highlighted on the show. And she is the pastor of Kingdom Fellowship Church in Alexandria, Virginia, and the first lady of CMOS. Uh, she, is, <laughs> she, <laughs> she is a certified celebrity at this point, and she's reported her first fake page on IG. I am so excited. <laughs> to learn more about the life of Dr. Shakina Dunbar-Rawlins. What up, sis? What's up, bro? What's up? What's going on? How you feeling? Uh, just a little tired today, but I'm making it. I get it. I get it. I get it. So listen, well, let's get started this way. What is the worst pronunciation you've ever heard of your name and or what is the first intro, the worst uh, pulpit introduction? So are you about to get up to preach at a church? What's the worst oh. introduction or what's the worst pronunciation of your name you ever heard um it's so many <laughs> um i mean i get Sha- i get shekinah all the time i mean it's a natural it's a natural that one that one's not bad i was like you know i can take the glory i'll take the glory okay that's not a bad one, you're a you pastor shekinah <laughs> like I, it, it, I, that I, that's an easy mistake to make but the worst one i would say i preached at a church and they read my whole bio. <laughs> I mean, the entire, no, I'm serious. The entire bio was wrong. They called my name um, Shaneka. Oh. They called my name Shaneka. Um, uh, they pronounced Jairus Place, um, Jahira. Mm. Um, they had me listed as the, at the time I was at my home church, Massabang Baptist Church in Arlington, Virginia, shout out. Um, I was there. They listed me as the pastor oh. and listed the pastor's name as the deacon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so they was like, you know, she's under the uh, pastor, you know, of, of deacon uh, uh, Leonard L. Hamlin Senior. <laughs> I said, oh, Okay. So they, I, I don't know what they were reading in the bio. Like that yes. probably was the worst one. Like my whole family, everybody was like cracking up, like cracking up, dying, laughing at them reading my bio. It was the worst. All right. So listen, as a, a quick question before we get started, as a comedian, mm-hmm. when something like that happens, I always battle about whether I'm going to say something about it or just go into my material. 
do is it is it the same for preachers? Like, do you feel like, man, I want to flame this so bad? Or let me just turn your Bibles to Acts. Like, I like what do you how do you, I just, I just go with it. I, I just, go, I just get up anyway and do my little greetings. And you know, there, there have been times. Let me say this. No, there have been times where I, I got up and said my name, like, um, you know, Doctor Kingdom of Rollins from Kingdom Fellowship Church. You know, blah blah. I've done. I have done that before. I have done that before. That's if they totally butcher it. Yeah. Like, thank you, yeah. Deacon Hamlin, for all this opportunity. Right. <laughs> All right, so listen, uh, a lot of people don't know uh, your story starts in Arlington, Virginia. We should try to give people a chance to be known. So where does it start, mom, dad? Like, how, where does the, the Shakina story start? Oh, it's so much with the Shakina story. Well, I grew up in Arlington, Virginia. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that Arlington does have black people, praise <laughs> the Lord, um, as it was quite a few of us. Um, where I grew up is a place called Green Valley. And... Um, um, at the time when I grew up in the eighties, it was very, um, uh, drug infested. I literally lived on the block. It was like a crack house up the street and the crack house down the street. Like, you know, I was in, I was in the middle. Um, I grew up actually with my grandparents. Okay. Um, my grand, my grandparents raised me. Um, mom was out there. Dad was out there. Dad got his life together a little bit faster than mom. Um, um, but that was kind of like my upbringing. I lived with my grandparents, my entire upbringing. Um, they raised me, they got me started on all this stuff, to be honest with you. They were the first ones that put me in the church, uh, had me singing in the choir. I sing in the choir, I direct the choir. I led yeah. praise and worship and all that stuff. So, yeah. So, so that's how I kind of, kind of got started. Are grandparents like pastors or they just, were just in the church and just had you in Not, there? You know, but the funny thing is this. This is what this is why I say they might have had some oil in their life. They don't know it. <laughs> they barely went to church. Oh, word. A lot of you not. Um, my grandparents took me to church very young. Um, they would go. They at, at one point they would go here and there, but they took me to church. I love church. Um, and so I they would drop me off at church. Um, I was oh. very um. I was a church kid. My family is not church. Praise the Lord. Like, uh, um, like most of my family. Well, uh, let me say this. A lot of us did have the kind of the same upbringing where we were all in the children's choir together. Um, they all strayed and went another way. Um, I kind of stayed, you know, in God for most of my life um, until I got, you know, like the college and it was a different listen, story. Praise all, Lord. Listen, we all got a story. I, I all got a, we all got a story. I don't mind telling mine at all. Praise yeah. Lord. Might save somebody. So, yeah. um, but I um, literally, nobody was really in church. Like we weren't, we didn't have that upbringing. Like we weren't like, a, a, we didn't pray together. It wasn't that type of household. Um, I just became connected to God through them placing me at the church. Um, and that's how, you know, my journey kind of started. I, I literally fell in love with God really young um, and got saved really young, got baptized really young. And then I got saved again as a teenager when I finally had an understanding. You know how when you, you're like eight or nine, you're Listen, like, everybody going up and get baptized. So I'm going to go up there too. Like, the first time I got saved, those- it was for cookies and cream ice cream. So I'm not even... <laughs> 
I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, and back and back then, and back then, it was literally a, you know, um, walk down the aisle, give the past your hand and guard your heart. Yes, it. And like, <laughs> uh, it was it was it was one of those situations. I did that like I was like eight or nine years old. And then I really got saved when I was about 13. I will never forget. It was a revival and Pastor Sturdivant. You know, Pastor Sturdivant? I'm, I'm not familiar. No. Um, from he's actually from the DMV area. He preached our revival, and I remember I got saved that that day. Um, for real, got saved. Yeah. Um, but but literally, like, uh, yeah, my family, most of my family got involved really in church when I started pastoring. Um, a lot of them, I mean, they a lot of them sang in the choir, but they didn't sing very long. Um, but uh, but like most of my family came. When I start, when I started pastoring, and some of them are now like leaders in my church and stuff. So, um, so a quick question because I know growing up, before I was able to understand it for myself, I was in church <laughs> because my mom made me go. So, what do you think created such a connection that was like, even if, even if my connection is not through my family, like most kids who end up going every Sunday, like I have that connection for myself to be here long enough for me to understand what I'm going through at thirteen. I think I think it was just a I think it was just a connection that I had with God very young. Um, I felt like I was a very different child. Um, I didn't understand it then. I understand it more now, um, and I understand it because of the call that's on my life and things like that. Like I was like 13, 14, like laying prostrate. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not really normal. For, yeah. You know, most people, but nobody really taught me that. Yeah. Like nobody taught me that that was something that I just did. Um, it was like this connection with God that I just can't, I really can't um, put into words. Really, I I just I just gravitated to um, God in a way that I can't. And then I loved singing too. That was a big part of it too, because I loved singing at the time. And so we had like like a bomb children's choir. It was like a hundred of us. Sheesh. Um, our, our church choir was the bomb. You and me, my church choir, our bells of joy, praise the Lord. We were the bomb. We were the bomb. And then later I started directing the choir and started teaching the music and then started leading praise and worship and stuff like that. So I just fell in love with God and I fell in love with music even the more. So got you. So, all right. So you get saved at 13. You really know what's going on. <clears throat> you get to high school. So how much of Shakina now? Uh, is because of that high, like what's what's Shakina High School like? What's th- high school? I'm still involved in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but high school, I'm starting to feel myself a little bit. Yeah. Uh, my grandparents were very strict. Okay. Like, I'm you can't spend night nobody house type strict. Like, oh, same here. You know, like <laughs> like they were very very strict, and so anything I wanted to do, sometimes I snuck to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like my, my bedroom was on the bottom level and I had a little window that I could sneak out of and all that stuff like that. Like I, that's when I had my first little boyfriend, um, and all that stuff, like, you know, real, not them little flirts, but I thought I was in love type of thing. I get it. Um, but, um, but yeah, I literally, um, um, I was still, I was still heavily like in the choir doing all that stuff, whatever. And I just was being a teenager. Yeah. A typical teenager that's trying to, you know, figure out life and what I like, what I don't like, all that type of great stuff, you know, uh, peer pressure, mm-hmm. dealing with all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. And uh, do you do you hear the call at any point during high school, or is this post? Not, well, no. I, I I knew something was different. I did know something was different, and I always had this level of conviction that was like none other. Like I can do something wrong, and I would be so convicted. You know, like the conviction. Like I'm talking about convicted. Like you'll do something wrong, and then afterwards you'd be like this. Oh, why am I crying? Like, yeah. I, but I was so guilty of like doing wrong at times, right? Yeah. Um, but I didn't hear the call until I got to college. Okay. Um, when I got to college, so my first first two years was a little rough. Um, I was a little off the trade. You know, I I, I I'm I'm probably one of the ones you can honestly say, you know, that's when the leash, you know, I got got a little loosened, and so. I was kind of free to do me mm-hmm. type of thing. And I explored that mm-hmm. um, um, or whatever. And then I actually, when I was in college, I actually got pregnant and had um, a miscarriage situation that actually changed my life um, because I literally, um, I literally was in a place where I feel like I failed. Um, I was the first person in my family to ever go to college. Um, Half the people in my family barely made high school, Um, especially a lot of the men in my family or um, a lot of people either, you know, had babies or, you know, different things like that. And so it was kind of, I was kind of like the one, my grand, my grandfather was like rooting for it. Like you got to make it out. Like you're the one we're counting on. So when I messed up, um, or whatever, I literally um, was so remorseful and it was so much guilt and pain. Um, I felt like I failed. And actually during that time, I even thought of suicide um, because I felt so terrible. I felt so felt, I felt, I felt like disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot believe like you literally almost destroyed your everything that you were trying to build. And, I, and God really favored me. Um, you know, we don't, we never understand why God does certain things. Like I didn't understand at the time, why would you take my child? You know what I'm saying? I was literally four months pregnant and I go to the doctor and they say, your baby hasn't had a heartbeat in two weeks. Right. Um, I literally was about to change my whole life. I was going to drop out of school for good. I was going to move with the guy. I was going to, you know, do all of this stuff. And literally the day that I was supposed to move in, um, the next day I was supposed to move in, I went to the doctor and they told me that the baby had died and that changed everything. Wow. Like, and I, I that's what I said. I knew, I knew it was like God saving my life because I was so dumb um, at the time and just making bad decisions and things like that. But literally, um, literally that changed my life. And I remember when I came back home feeling like a failure, feeling dumb and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, I could just end it all and be out of everybody's hair, you know, that type of thing. I was going through so many different emotions and I'll never forget. That's when, um, Donnie McCurkin's song, we fall down, but we get up came out. Yeah. And that song, that song literally saved my life. Like, yeah. and that's the God honest truth. That song, I literally was in the car and that song literally saved my life. But, but from that, um, I, 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 I got back with God and got back focused. And I started directing the school choir, wow. um, the gospel choir at yeah. the school. And, and when I did that, um, I was in such a leadership role and we would have these encounters and 
God will show up and, and I will be ministering and stuff like that. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. You know, like that atmosphere shift, you know, and different things will happen and all that stuff. And that's when I started wrestling with the call. I actually started dreaming about the call. I would dream that I would be speaking in front of thousands and thousands of people. And, um, and that's when I started to wrestle with it even the more. All right. So I think you have a... I know I gave you a lot. No, 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 no. no. This is what we're here for. This is what we're here for. This is is your life. So, so, all right. So I think, I think we then we transition to like the next part of your life, which I think is really interesting because you got saved at an early age and then heard a call. And I don't think you were, I don't think your undergrad was, it wasn't like seminary. Your undergrad, like, was Mm -mm. it? So it, no, it was George Mason University. Yeah. So I don't, I don't. And your major? What was your major? Sociology. Which you probably need. It probably serves you in pastoring just the same. It does. Absolutely. That's. I think every pastor should probably take a psychology or sociology class. But that's because <laughs> just it's people. But yeah. But from there, then you then you go to seminary. So you knew enough to be like, all right, cool. This is what this is where my well, life. When I got to seminary, I had actually accepted the call. Right. Um, literally, literally, I was like about uh, maybe I was 20. I was like, I was like 26 at that time. I graduated when I was 23. I got a job, was working and things like that. I was I was leading praise and worship at the time. And I was having the same experience. Like I would be leading praise and worship and I would literally start preaching. Yeah. Right. Like. Like, you know how them praise and worship leaders that are called to preach for real, for real. Um, but they ain't moved yet. Praise the Lord. I was one of those, you know, and I, I literally would be preaching some days, atmospheres will shift, all that stuff. And I started wrestling. We went on a 30-day fast. All the leaders of the church went on a 30-day fast. And literally when I got to day 26, that's when I got the confirmation that I was going to, I, I was called. I, I knew it was something I probably didn't want to really accept it. Let me say that I was one of the ones I really ran. I knew when I was in college, but I really, really ran from this thing. Like I can just sing in a choir. I told the Lord that I would be a really good usher. Like <laughs> <laughs> we had, we had, all, we had all, I was like serious about that. Like I will usher. I will put my fingers up. I will Jesus, greet the please. people. Listen, I will do all of that. Just don't let me do this piece right here. Right? Yeah. Literally, that that fast God was speaking the whole time and I just could you know when you fast you're so vulnerable yeah like and it was 30 days it was 30 days I got the 26 I, I couldn't I was I, I couldn't sleep mm. God was waking me up I was dreaming I felt like I was having nightmares but it wasn't nightmares the Lord was actually just telling me that I was gonna preach all that stuff and literally I just said yes and I I hit I hit my pastor up he called me in a meeting and he told me one thing that I that has always stuck with me. He said, you've conditioned yourself to tell God no. Now you have to condition yourself to tell him yes. Sheesh. That I tell my ministers that now. Like, that's something that has lived with me. I literally, he said, you had conditioned yourself to constantly tell God no. And now you have to condition yourself to always be in a posture to tell him yes, basically. Yo, I, I'll be honest with you. There are just certain things that I, I you just hate. Either when God or someone tells you, 
Cause you're like, mm-hmm. I I can't go back. Like you after you hear it, it's like, <laughs> dang, I wish you didn't say that. Cause now, no seriously, it's like I, now, now you tell me I got to do this. I like, was so good at running before you said that. <laughs> no seriously, <laughs> had on my Nikes and everything. I, I laced was, them joints up. I was good until you said that. <laughs> when that that right there, and, and you you knew it was a defining moment because literally, how many years ago was that? And I still remember that. Yeah. Um, I still remember that that has stuck with me because literally after that, I did tell God, yes. And I preached my initials. My pastor literally put me in the youth pastor position before I ever uh, preached an initial sermon. So right then, too, I'm like this. You didn't elevate me to youth minister. (laughs) And I don't even have a youth minister title yet. I was MIT and he had elevated me. Um, before I stepped into the ministerial role, and literally, I um I preached my initial sermon in two thousand eight. Is this still Pastor Deacon Hamlin Senior? <laughs> yeah, that's him. Okay, cool. So, so, <laughs> so from the time that you were like in middle school, this whole time, it's the same church. Yeah, I, I've never gone to another church. Word. Nope. So you just I, you've I been a member one time. I've been a member one time <laughs> outside of Kingdom Fellowship Church now. Yes. I was there until the Lord released me. Yeah. Wow. And so how how has your relationship with him grown? Because he's seen you since from the birth of kind of knowing what was to come and now. Like how how does that work? Well, we were like, so so he came to the church when I was 16. <laughs> he came to the church when I was 16, and we hit it off with a relationship when I was young. Um, literally we, like, I would get off the school bus and just go talk to him. He was new to the church. I would just go talk to him. We developed this relationship. Um, and he just guided me through, um, through, through all, every, every step from praise and worship to literally I went from praise and worship. I went to choir director, praise and worship, lead a youth minister to associate pastor there at the church. Um, and he guided me through all of that. Um, and and to even you know to um, pastoring and, and things like that, um, but he was um, he was very hard on me, um, in a good way though. Like in what in like what way? Like what do you mean? He didn't. He never let me settle. Hmm. He never let me settle. I remember one time I was like, this, I don't understand why you give me such a hard time. Everybody else, he said, because you're not like everybody else, and. Um, and he would stay on me. Like, I would get in trouble. I feel like I was always in trouble. But it wasn't really trouble. It was just like, I'm really just showing you which way to go. And all those lessons now, I didn't understand them then. But now that I pastor, I get them. You know what I mean? Like, I understand. Can you give me an example of one? Oh. Oh. I, when I was associate pastor, he told me, um, I showed up at one of the meetings like five minutes late. Oof. And, uh he told me, he said, you're my associate pastor. You, you get here before I get here. Hmm. He was like, don't ever come after me. And I was like this. <laughs> like, I'm just five minutes late. Like, I was getting the papers. Like, yeah. like he was like, don't ever show up after me. Yeah. You show up before me. I was like. Look, I should have let But them, what he was should, teaching, I what let, he was I teaching me, though, like. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Talking. But, but he really showed me like like what if what if I needed to be in his place at the last minute? Yeah. You know what I mean? At the last minute, I would have had to run the meeting and I wasn't there. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm his right hand. So if I'm if I'm not there, then what? Um, and he would literally, I mean, he was so many lessons, like he would get me all the time, like with the uh calling me like 15 minutes before service start and telling me you got preached today type of thing. I'm so glad I was a prepared preacher. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And yeah. I thank God for ad pads because all my sermons was in my <laughs> iPad. <laughs> was in my iPads. But he always taught us you be ready at all times. He was like, you should always have a word in your Bible um, or, or word with you. He said, because any moment I would call you to preach. And he really did do that on so many instances. Yeah. I'm talking about preaching two services Shoot. and you got to deliver two different words. Yeah. Type of thing. So, yeah. He really, he really groomed me right. I must say that he really did groom me right. What, what do you think, or what patterns do you see in people who are not groomed? Oh, discipline. Um, discipline. Um, um, they don't have a a, re, a regard for hierarchy sometimes. Um. Don't like to go through process. Mm. Um, I see that a lot now. Um, even with pastoring, people people just want you to give them the title and position, but don't want to have to work for it. Um, they just like just make me a minister, make me ordain me. You know all this stuff, but you you didn't go through any process. There's no blood, sweat, and tears to any of this. Like, yeah. um, um, there's such an appreciation when you go through process. Um, and, and that's what I'm grateful for with my pastor. He made me go through every single process, ordination, um, ministerial training, you know, all that stuff, like submitting your sermons, um, submitting your preaching dates. Like I did all of that. Um, and I, and I did what he told me to do. I had a regard for him because he was the, the, the authority over my life, um, and the spiritual head over my life. And so I had such a high regard and respect for him, like in a way I can't even like almost like a father. Yeah. Um, in a sense. And so, but I knew that I knew his heart and his heart was, I just want to make you to be the best. Um, and so, and so when you understand like people's heart towards you, like it's, it's not hard to submit, you know, um, submission is, is a big, is a big thing now too. Like people, man, it's a, it's a different time. It's a different time. Um, it's a, it's a different time that I'm seeing in ministry compared to when I, when I just served as an associate. Um, and maybe I'm seeing it from a different lens too, because I passed it now too. So what, 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 where would you be or what would you be if you had skipped the line? Like, let's say like you never, you just heard the call and just started pastoring the next day. Like, what do you, where do you oh, think you would oh, be? First of all, first of all, I wouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> mm-mm, I didn't want a pastor. Okay, I barely wanted to preach, praise yeah. the Lord. Um, but pastoring, um, literally, my husband, my husband can tell you that process. Like, I didn't want pastoring, I, you gotta deal with people at a whole nother level. Like, I love people, but I don't love them, you know. I, you know, <laughs> I didn't I didn't want that pressure or that weight um yeah. of pastoring. I saw what my pastor had to go through. I, I just felt like I wasn't going to be able to make it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like people sometimes disrespect you. People say whatever to you sometimes. People disregard you. You know, I'm a, I'm a different type of girl. And I just felt like I'm not going to do well, Lord. Like, we going to, like, 
I'm not going to do well, but the Lord literally broke all of that. I, I told the Lord literally a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I think you've made me soft. Like I told the Lord, like, I think you've made me soft because he literally has to soften your heart um, in a way that, listen, I just be like, I think I'm soft, Lord. Like, because of you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like. <laughs> so do you, like, yeah. do you feel like, um, so, all right. What did, what did you see that made you not want to, pastor like what did you actually see and 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 I, I guess the reason why I ask this is because I get the impression that people have been gravitating towards you your whole life like I could just imagine in high school mm-hmm. you're like hey everybody this is the new dance the school's going like you know them scenes on Saved by the Bell where just like one person starts dancing and then everybody starts dancing I feel like you were that person in high school and college and your whole life so to me it just feels like it was like natural for you to get in at, at least that's my impression but uh, you know, it it was, I've always been in a, in a leader type of role. Yeah. It was very interesting because the other day, my grandfather passed this year that raised me and um, we would clean out the house and I found all these awards and they were all geared towards leadership. And it's funny because my, my dissertation, my doctoral work was in leadership development. Um, um, I've always been a leader, um, but what made me not want to do it was the weight of it. Like, for me as a pastor some days, um, it's so heavy. Um, it's almost, it's such a, let me say this, when you're doing it with the right heart and the right mindset about it, because some people just do it for title right. and position. They ain't think about the people. They ain't think about nothing. They just, you know, just run me my, run me my, my check, yeah. you know, all that type of stuff. That's not my heart. My heart, I've always had a heart for people. Um, and sometimes you carry the weight of people, um, um, the weight of even like pre- preparing. Um, my my days are like geared towards Kingdom Fellowship Church. Like literally, it's like I go from Sunday and then I'm in meeting on Tuesday and then I'm in Bible study Wednesday and then I got to prepare again for Sunday and it doesn't stop unless you off one week. Um, and so it's just a heavy weight. I mean, you, I love what I do. I love what I do. Like, don't let me, you know, let me say that. I do love what I do. We know you don't, have are, to, you don't have to give a but moments, disclaimer, um, <laughs> but moments, there are moments it's, it's very heavy. Yeah. Um, it's very heavy. I, I, Watching my pastor, I understood the importance of praying for your pastor um, and covering your pastor and lifting your pastor up because the weight is, it doesn't, it feels like it doesn't go away. It feels like the Lord, you know, I think I understand, you know, when Paul talked about being a prisoner, a prisoner of Christ, because that's what you feel like. I'm a prisoner to this thing. Like I got to I have to do this thing and I have to do it, you know, to the best of my ability. And you want to give your best and you're putting so much into it and you got to plan and you have to execute and you got to preach and you got to lead the people. You got to lead the leaders. You know, it's a it's a lot to it. Um, it's a lot to it. And then and then the burden of the people in the sense everybody ain't going to get with you. They'll be at your, I I never understood this because even when I was at my old, I never understood this. How in the world you can be under a pastor that you don't like and respect. I've I've seen that. You know what I mean? Like I've watched that. I don't, I don't get that. Like I would not be anywhere that I don't like the pastor or have a regard or respect for the pastor and serve. And some people be in leadership. I, I don't understand that concept. 
Um, but I but I saw all of that that made me be like, I don't want none of this. <laughs> I don't want any of this. I literally I had told God, like, I will serve my pastor. I, I'm good. I'm good at his right hand. Like, I will serve him. I'm good. Yeah. I, like, you know, I preach every once in a while, you know, all that great stuff, lead and do, you know, organize and execute and all that stuff like that plan i'm good at that so but i i just i just i did not want it my husband can tell you like i probably cried for two years like <clears throat> i don't want any of this hmm. all right so we're going to get to the the beginning of kingdom fellowship church in a second because uh -oh, okay. i definitely want to talk about that okay but just in the wrapping your head around like just pastoring in general so like preaching is one thing and you are a doctor, uh, a doctor. So you have studied, like you you know it. Like when when people say, if you're listening to this, you haven't been in church in a while, if someone says like, this is what it means in the Greek, like this is the context of what I'm talking about. <laughs> like I'm not just reading the scripture from Google. I'm, I can tell you what was meant, the historical context, all of that good stuff. Right. Like this, that's what you go to school for. But now I have to. I still research that stuff now, though. Please don't get it twisted. But you. But I feel like you learn the importance of being a student. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. and you're a lifelong student as a pastor. You're you're always studying. Like I got five hundred. I mean, you see the books back. You know, I got five hundred many books all over my house. Um, you're always studying. Yeah, that's another thing. See, people don't understand the sacrifice. Y'all out here hanging out, and we got to read the Bible. <laughs> and we want to hang out too you know what i'm saying like we out here you know y'all chilling out here with masks on out in the streets and we out here read like when i hang up with you i literally have to finish my sermon so that i can record for sunday like it Damn. doesn't end you Damn. know it doesn't end but you were you were going somewhere yeah so i i just i want i don't think i've ever i think this is just a great time to have this conversation <laughs> Because I don't know, I will never understand. I don't understand. A lot of people don't. I think pastors always have this responsibility and accountability to the people they serve and to the greater public if they're in the public eye um, for the life that they live. But I don't know if I ever understand, maybe outside of just parents in general, but the weight, like how much you carry people with you. Like, what is that? Is it just like, reading people's Facebook statuses and just praying for them or people's life comes, like their their life comes to your mind. Like, what does it mean to carry the weight of people? And what does that mean for people who aren't pastors who are just like, oh, wow, I didn't know that my pastor goes through that on a daily basis. Um, For me, um, for me, I literally pick up the people a lot um, in the spirit. Um, um it's not a, I try not to, I don't follow too many of my church people purposely because, <laughs> <laughs> because. I get it. I get it. Because some of the stuff they be posting, I'd be like, when when I was doing it, I would literally be like, I know I just preached about that Sunday. I and told you, you not to do that last like, month. I, listen, I told you, <laughs> listen, so it's, you know, take away, you know, being anxiety or anything like that or having a fuss. I just sometimes don't follow it, you know, yeah. whatever the case may be. Um, but a lot of times I pick up people. Um, a lot of times I pick up the people 
um, that serve in church. And I, I would literally sometimes just call or send messages. We don't have a very, very large ministry. And so you become familiar with the people and you kind of know their faces um, and things like that. And so you'll, you know, I check in or I have our deacons and ministers check in. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling them in the spirit. Like something's going on. Can you just follow up with them? If I don't do it, I'll have somebody else do it or whatever the case may be. Um, um, and so, um, but even in that, um, on like, for example, when we were even the more in the building, you saw the people, you know, you saw the people. And when you have like kind of a, I don't want to say I have keen discernment, but I have pretty decent discernment where I pick up stuff that people carry. Um, sometimes I can be standing by my people and I can feel the mm-hmm. weight or feel what they're, what they're dealing with. Um, and, and, or I can see it in their facial expressions or their eyes say a lot and things like that. And, um, or if you hug them, um, you hug them, you can pick it up and things like that. And so you worry, you pray, you are checking in that, that stuff is weighty. Like you literally, like I have my own family and on top of it, I'm, you know, picking up all this other stuff of everybody else. Like why sometimes my husband sleep, I'm praying for them, um, you know, or whatever the case may be, or, you know, interceding for the people and things like that. And so, um, I do try to not carry it to the point that it is distractive to my home life. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to, you know, you know, do what I need to do as far as making sure the people are good, of course, and, and, and praying for them and covering them and things like that. Like I picked up a girl um, two weeks ago. I said, something's not right. And I think she's in a dark place. And so I started making calls and come to find out who she was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and this pandemic ain't helping the situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, so. Um, so that's kind of like the weight I can personally say for me, um, that I, that I sometimes feel. What is it like pastoring in the pandemic? Is it just like, what? all right, so let me ask you this, which, which is worse, pastoring <laughs> through a pandemic, be, virtual learning with a kindergartner <laughs> or, or, or work, or working out with Mr. T because them videos you be posting online, y'all be going <laughs> for it. Um, I'm going to say A and B. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say A and B. Um, you know, the hard part about the pandemic is because I'm a lover of people, yeah. not being able to see my people and not being able to lay hands on them. And I mean, I'm not talking about lay hands, like lay hands and slap them out and lay them on the floor, even though we do that at Kingdom and stuff. But I'm talking about like literally in the sense of I can't hug them. Yeah. Like I, I stand around and I talk to the people and I greet the people after church and we laugh and, you know, you know, and all that great stuff or whatever the case may be. And I can't do any of that. Um, and that part, that part has been probably the hardest part. And then the adjustment of, so we, we pre-record or whatever. And so I preach to nobody like, <laughs> like, you know, and I and I was telling my husband one day, I said, it made me realize how much we depend on the people because that talking back feeds us like as yeah. preachers. And it probably a little bit feeds our ego. So it's been a little bit more humbling because you don't have nobody to talk back to you. Like literally when they played the played the video on Sunday. Yeah, they talk back then, you know, in the comments. But it's not like anybody shouting peach past to tell it, you know, or anything like that. 
And so that part has has really been um I, I miss I miss seeing the people. Yeah. I miss I miss engaging the people um and things like that. That's that's probably been the hardest part um for me. I've gotten kind of I'm now I'm in a place I've gotten kind of used to the whole preaching to myself. I just make my own self happen sometimes. Um <laughs> 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 uh, but but that has been that has been um the biggest adjustment. I would say. All right. So I'm going to make a, a a statement, but this this could totally not be true. So you pre, you don't pre-record on Saturday. You pre-record in the middle of the week, right? Like I like I'm supposed to pre-record be, today is my pre-record day. Oh. Uh, oh, cuz not a church going to listen to this and it's going to be like <laughs> I'm supposed to have a word for my life, except for that dude. Like, not <laughs> this is not me. I didn't. <laughs> no, nah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it before I go to bed. But isn't it a little cool to have Saturday nights back? You know what? Honestly, that is probably the part that I do enjoy. Um, um, this pandemic has allowed me to spend more time with my family. Yeah. Um, for me and Dawu both. I don't think we realized how busy we were before the pandemic hit. Um, and the p- pandemic really made me put a lot of things in perspective. And I was even telling my family this a few weeks ago because I missed a lot of family gigs. I missed a lot of family engagements, you know, from preaching out yeah. and things like that. And now I just, you know, people, you you pre-record those now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to go into a building like you used to. Um, and things like that. And so, and so my Saturday nights are Netflix and chill for real. Yeah. Um, like I enjoy my movie nights outside with the family, all that. Um, I didn't, I didn't get that as much. Um, you know, when we were, um, you know, um, uh, in the building. So I, I, I enjoy that a lot. Honestly, I, I, that's the part probably going back. I'm probably going to struggle with the most. I'm so glad you said that because, <laughs> I think, and it's the same thing with me, but certainly not on the same level where I think the schedules are so set. Like Sunday mornings are set. Mm-hmm. Saturday night is like going over notes. Sunday morning is like, and as a comedian, it's like, I know, I know I'm going to make people laugh and mm-hmm. I'm going to network, but it's not the same as spiritually preparing yourself for anything. Like, yeah. I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just, prepare myself to be used in whatever, like I got the sermon, but that's, so I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people have a perception of what being a pastor is. And I don't Mm. know how actually close it is to the reality of it. So. Because can I say something? Can I say something with that? Because a lot of people look at like kind of the pomp and circumstance and they look at, a lot of people associate the pastoring with the nice car and, you know, the, the monogram um, cufflinks and, you know, all that, all that other stuff. But nobody ever really sometimes talk about the, the dirty part of it, um, you know, um, the struggle of it or, you know, things like that. I think we have confused. I had one person tell me one day, um, you know, they were like, uh, the assumption was that I was, I had all this money because I pastored Mm. and I'm like, I I go to work. Like, like I work every day. Like this ain't like kingdom ain't paying me. Like 
I, I work, we're a startup church. We not, we, we not established like, you know, churches that have been in this thing for 150 years, but I go to work every day. Like I have a full-time job, you know, with doing all the stuff that I do um, and things like that. I think people, people do have a misconception of the pastoring thing. Um, and they think it's, you know, all the time, because I think we have made it and presented it like it's just this whole lavish life. Yeah, we are. Some of us are doing really, really well and really, really blessed. But that's not everybody. Everybody's not um, not pastoring a mega church or a church with 500 to 1,000 members or whatever the case may be with these extensive budgets. Um, some of us have to work and do what we do um, until we get to a place that we don't do that anymore. You know what I'm you know, never, or whatever. I've never thought about it until you just said it. But maybe people's perception of church and what pastors' lives are like are because the only churches they see are mega churches. Like they don't just see like That's true. That's a good point. I, I don't know how many churches on a I generally see where pastors are like, hey, I got off of work on Friday. I went to go to an event at the church. Saturday, I'm taking a whole day to study. And then Sunday I'm preaching and then I go to sleep and I go to work on Monday. Like there are a mm-hmm. lot of pastors with full-time jobs. Absolutely. And Absolutely. people don't know that. Absolutely. There's a bunch of us. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's wild. Absolutely. Okay. And and, and I think a lot of people think <clears throat> this all right, what is your what is your least favorite stereotype of a pastor? Cuz I guess it could be different for everybody. What's your least favorite? Um probably the money one. Yeah. Par- the money one um I think this whole money like even with the money piece and the stereotypes that come with it, it makes us, even for me, you know, coming in the gate, it made me very um, skeptical about like um, asking for money, like of membership or even teaching on money or talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like I just kind of started getting a place of really pushing some things more um, because of um, how, we have painted this picture like that everybody is doing a $50 line Mm -hmm. um, or a hundred dollar line and things like that. And that's not what kingdom is about at all. Um, But, but that probably is the biggest thing. I would never, I would never forget one of my members say, she said, you know, I like this church. She said, cause you ain't up there begging for money. I said, I just asked you for your thousand offering. You're supposed to do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, or whatever the case may be. But I'm not, we're not doing no uh, $100 lines. The Lord telling me to know we're not doing that. Like, that's not what the Lord told us to do. Okay, praise the Lord. I, I, but, grew, <laughs> I, I Listen, I grew up with that in New Jersey. Like, they used to hit you with the, there's a blessing for the $50 line, $20 line, and the $5 line. I'm like, man. I sure then, wish I had a twenty. You get, you get you get in line, and then after the fact, you'd be like, "This thing, I should have kept that twenty. Right? <laughs> I think I got the same thing as the dude that just put that two in there. <laughs> I don't feel no difference for real. <laughs> I don't see no overflow over here. Like. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I need to see something different. Doc. That dude with the two looks—he's smiling a little bit too hard for me. I, I put the twenty in there. And and I think I think that stereotype and, and the, another one that I'm glad you said is that you came home, you just Netflix and chill. Because I think on the other extreme, I think a lot of people when they think of pastors, they just think y'all just reading Galatians all day and Philippians. And mind you, you have your time, you are available. Mm-hmm. Being a pastor is not a nine to five. It 
certainly is a 24. You get calls in the middle of the night. Like I, I have seen it. It's crazy. Like literally, I just got a call right before I logged on you with you. I got a call. One of my members is in the hospital. So like literally, like literally like five minutes before I got online with you. And I was like, I'm gonna call you back as soon as possible. Um, or whatever the case may be. Like that's the stuff that people don't see sometimes. Yeah. Um, the part that we um and, and you and like I'm like I'm on here talking to you and I'm like, Lord, please let her be okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the weight part too. Yeah. Like I'm doing this with you, but I am thinking about my member who has to have surgery. Like, you know what I'm saying? So um, that's the way, because they, they become like, you know, for me, they become like children to you. They become like family members, you know, like, and so, yeah. So I always wanted to know this as a member. Do oh, you, Lord. do you hear as, I feel like any, anytime someone's sick, anytime someone needs prayer, anytime a relationship's going bad, I feel like you get the call. Do people just call you to be like, hey, how are you? Or like No. Or like I don't, hey, I don't get I don't even give everybody my number. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, like, do you get the good news as much as you get the I feel like the bad news always comes to you. You know, um, you know, I actually have a really good team um of of deacons. Shout out to uh my husband. My husband was a deacon and, and also one of our other deacons, uh, Deacon Jaquay. Um, they do very good with handling stuff, they kind of filter what comes my way. Yeah. It wasn't like that in the beginning, but now, now they do like, it's, it's, it's to the point that now they try to handle it before it gets to me. Yeah. Um, if it gets to me, that means this is bad type of thing. Like it's nothing that the people can solve or fix or, you know, things like that. But usually you know, my husband, my husband, man, my husband is bomb. He's like, like, he guards me from so much stuff. He really is like my protector for real. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't have to deal with because of him. Yeah. Um, he he takes care of it. Like I always say he's the secret pastor that don't nobody know about. Mm-hmm. And you know, and honestly, the people really like to talk to him probably a little bit more than me. <laughs> Why? You know, because because he's way nicer, I think. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like to the point, you know, let's, let's yeah. just deal with it and be over it. My husband is very, he has this way of convicting you and making you feel really terrible in such a loving way. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, like, he, no, seriously, like, like he would have people crying and everything. Like, I'm just like, hit it and quit it. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very like black and white. You know, and I think that's why our personalities match. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's real calm and I'm all hype all the time. Yeah. Um, so so the the balance helps out in ministry like so much. So much. So all right, I'm happy y'all got I, I'm sincerely happy that y'all got a pandemic. I'm happy for every single great <laughs> pastor I know. Cause I feel like y'all don't even y'all don't even get like date nights. Like y'all don't really get like we, we have to we have to program those in our days. You have to like make days. them, like make them. We s- schedule them. Yeah, that's terrible, right? No, I get it though. Uh, but like, no, we we do we do. But, but you know what? But that's not just because of church. But we got kids too, so you have to schedule things, and you got to get sitters, and you know all that type of stuff, whatever the case may be. But I will say that the pandemic, even for me and my husband, has brought us closer. Yeah. Um. Then we probably have ever been 
Um, in the beginning, it was a little bit rough. I'm gonna be honest. It was a little bit rough in the beginning because we had net, we know we we work all day. Like when we come home, it's five, six o'clock in the evening, picking up the kids, whatever case be, we eat dinner, yeah. chill a little bit, we ain't do much. But being home all day long, <laughs> Yo, seven days a week. Facts. <laughs> facts. Like in the beginning, I was like, oh, talk, I don't know what I talk I'm about do, it. This talk is about this it. is. We had to come up. We had to talk. We did talk about it. Like we had to talk about it. We had to talk about what what each other need in the moment and all that type of stuff, whatever the case may be. But it was that was an adjustment. I understand why people even talk about the fact like how they when they retire, how they struggle, like when they come back to each other like that, because you haven't you've been so used to not being around each other that much. But now and now it's to the point. I don't be wanting him to leave. Like, I'm like, where you going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, when you coming home? Yeah. It's about to rain. He be wanting to go jog. Like, it's going to rain. You want me to pick you up? Like, <laughs> yo, when now this, I'm all pressed. When this pandemic started, I remember the first week, I was like, yo, she is still standing there. I'm not used to this. <laughs> like, I, we just weren't used to just being in the house all yes. day. Having one, like the TVs. Like, it's just like, it was a lot going on. And it, it, it's, it's I understand exactly you spoke yeah, to yeah. my soul. <laughs> I know exactly. It was it wasn't was a it wasn't a job, and we had to, we had to talk about it. Like, listen, we're gonna probably be here for a minute, so we gotta make this <laughs> thing work. <laughs> 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 like, for real, like, like, but that's my best friend. That yeah. is my best friend, and 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 after that, it has actually made us very. I mean, you still need your moments where you like. Okay, I just need to go out for a breather for a moment, but everybody needs that, sure. you know, regardless. But, but yeah, it 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 was a, it was an adjustment. It was definitely adjustment. Do you feel like you'll have a different perspective of how to balance home and church? After, like how, how absolutely? How does this change? Like, and what do you think it was before? Because I'm I, obviously you um, want the best. You want to be a great mom, a great wife, a great yeah. pastor, a great mentor, a great businesswoman. So how yeah. does how has this adjusted how you view balance now? Um. I didn't realize that there were moments that my family did not come first. Mm. Um, I didn't realize that that sometimes I was so consumed with church um, and things like that, that home sometimes, even though, and let me say this because I have such a great husband that he would often be like, no, just go. Because I, I don't do anything without my husband's approval. And some, some people be like, you got to get your husband's approval. It's a respect and regard for our union um, that I don't never want to do anything. I don't want to do anything and he not be aware of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like every preaching date, everything that I get, I always run it past them. Like I got this date, what you think, how you feel about it. Do you have something planned? Like, because we're we're a partnership. We're in this thing together. Um, and I have such a regard and respect for him. And like, there have been times people like this, I don't think you should take that, that one. Or, you know, that, that's a good opportunity. Like, go for that. Like, yeah. um, um, he's my covering. Um, but, but it made, this time has made me put so much more into perspective. And I will say that I, that towards the end, towards leading up to the, uh, probably the last year I've gotten better with, um, managing time and balancing, even with family, um, because I literally will plan my weeks like on a week, off a week, like that. 
I, I oh. did it like that with um um we 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 implemented that probably like in in 2019 um where I would have on on and off a week on and off a week like I, if I had meetings one week I would not have meetings the next week and so that I could be with family oh. you know and things like that or whatever like so planning it out I was I was intentional but I realized through the pandemic I should have did it a little bit better in managing it a little bit more so. So that balance piece is going to be big for me um, when we get back. Wow, we're going to leave it right there. Thank you for tuning in to part one for this amazing conversation with Dr. Shakina Dunbar-Rollins. Please stay tuned to part number two. You do not want to miss it. Listen, we, we jump right back into her life, but we also talk about some taboo subjects that often don't get talked about in our communities. Um, so just stay tuned to that, man. If you have not already, please comment, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. Comment, rate, and subscribe. Follow me on social media at the life of K-A-Y. And uh, man, just don't miss the next episode. I promise you it's going to be worth it. Until then, peace.